and welcome to the 5W Football Podcast. We discuss the who, the what, the where, the when and the why of the beautiful game. That was Joe Davies on the guitar for the jingle and I'm Andrew Mesra on the mic. Coming up today... Thrills and spills eventually in the Champions League, but Tuesday was all about nils. If that was all a bit under par, Wednesday was really all about VAR. Milan are finally getting better thanks to Piontek and Pacchietta. Is Icardi a little bit mardi, or is he just the Argentinian Vardy? 20's plenty, and now Serie C is slightly empty. And just before we go, you go, Slavia. All that and more on today's 5W Football Podcast, interspersed with an appropriate amount of trivia and questions. Joining me today, I've got a returning Jack Perry, who's looking as fresh as a daisy. Jack, how are you doing? Good morning, Andrew. I'm very well. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for asking. It's always nice to be uh, to be included. Uh, Barney Stevenson has arrived very late, which you know has upset the rest of us, but he's here now, and that's what that's what matters. Uh, Barney, how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Just thought I'd keep you on your toes this morning. Was it an intentional delay? Um, no, it was a spontaneous thing this morning, but I feel like it's paid off. In what sense? <laughs> um, I managed to have a bowl of shredded wheats and make a packed lunch and had a shave before I arrived. So, yeah. What's in the packed lunch? It's a bagel, actually, which um, has been a favourite of mine for a long time, but I've not had in Sheffield, I don't think, yet. So I'm bringing that back. Can I ask what's in the bagel? Just cheese. Just cheese. <laughs> 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 that one, uh, Don Steele, of course, as ever. Good morning, Sheriff. You all right? Yeah, um, sort of like <laughs> death taxes and Lewis Steele in the podcast. You know, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Barney's on it every week as well. Yeah, but you know, he's not. Feel like Lou still more of a mainstay. I thought Barney's decision to come in late was a little bit of a. Does he want a new contract or something like that? You know, it's a, we'll discuss it later. Well, anyway, cracking on with the football. Uh, Champions League has returned. A lot of nil nils on Tuesday. Bit of a snore fest, although probably a bit unfair they were quite good games actually uh, Wednesday I thought it was going to go the same way actually for the first 20 minutes or so of those games uh, Aguero opened the scoring for City after about 20 minutes and then after that it kind of kicked into life a lot of VAR controversy in the Atletico game against Juventus they did very well to get a 2-0 victory um, City managed to come back with 10 men from 2-1 down to win 3-2 uh, Jack you, you opted to go for the Atletico Juve game yesterday as I did didn't you what did you make of it uh, I really enjoyed it actually, I thought it was a very good game of football. Um, I, I liked the way it was described uh, before the game as a battle of the bridesmaids as both have uh, lost Champions League finals in the last five years and Juve have actually lost the most of any team I think, which is seven Champions League finals um, and it looks like they're not even going to get the chance to make it there this year. Um, yeah, it was a good game, it was kind of like peak Atletico really, like two goals from centre-backs, both from set-pieces, a Diego Costa suspension, Simeone going crazy on the sideline, it was just complete peak Atletico, uh, and I was a massive fan of that. Really, I, I, I love it when Atleti end up two nil up in a tie, and the other team has to go to them, <laughs> and it's like nil nil for the second leg, and you just got no chance when they're when they're up. Be a very uh, intriguing second leg, I'm sure. The well, I'm, I'm think we can all guess what Atletico will try and do. Mm, yeah, second leg. somewhat. <laughs> uh, Barney, what, what were you up to last night? Were you watching Champions League football? Um, I've seen the highlights, but no, I didn't watch any Champions League football, actually. I uh, watched a Ryan Gosling film. <laughs> 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 I've forgotten what film it was, but right. that was nice. But I've seen the highlights. I agree yeah. with everything Jack says there about Atletico. Um, I think that they actually are looking pretty strong. I think Lou was saying as well that he thinks maybe... 
the winner of that Atletico Juve tie might get to the final, and I think that's quite a good shout. Um, and then I watch. I've seen highlights of Schalke Man City as well, and I mean it's a very good result for City, but sort of a bit surprised they got the scare they did really. Lewis, what were you watching yesterday? Juve Atletico. Uh, no, I'm quite upset that I didn't get the chance to watch it because I'm a big fan of Simeone. I often come on here and say how much I love Pep Guardiola's style of football and all that, but I do very much admire uh, Diego Simeone in his way. But obviously I was watching Man City last night. We were away at Schalke. Did make a very... Well, we made it very hard for ourselves, but we got the win in the end. Very good goal from Leroy Sane. Um, I was particularly enjoyed Edison, uh, who is basically a nutter. He just runs around the pitch like starting on people and I'm convinced that he can kick longer than any footballer I've ever seen like his his power is just a bit out of this world he reminds I, I did a tweet actually saying he reminds me of uh, the kid at school who, who was sort of two years older than everyone else and could just you know when the goalkeeper weren't very good at goal kicks you'd normally get like a centre back to take it because he was a bit more mature he just reminds me of that kid Um <laughs> And I, I just, and well, that smiley face tattoo on his on his neck is just a bit horrible. But rascal, isn't it? Yeah. He got the assist, didn't he, for the he, Sterling goal? He did. I don't know if he was credited with the assist because there was quite. I don't know if their defender got a little nick on it, but uh, Sterling did very well. Yeah. Um, a goal that I don't think he would have scored this time eighteen months ago. Um, do you think? Do you think it was a good finish? Because I, I mean, obviously he scored it, so you know did well there but I didn't I didn't think that the way he took it was a very sort of conventional way of shooting from no, the angle he, that he was he sort at. of took the keeper off guard I think yeah. yeah I think he took it earlier than, yeah. than I, I was expecting him to try and take it round the keeper yeah. almost or square it I don't know if he had anyone to square it to but the keeper sort of rushed out a bit too quick which mm. if helped, he, I think it, it helped him and yeah if he didn't rush out we may have said why was the keeper static mm. on his line yeah but I thought it was a good finish, and then he ran straight over to the away end, and I've never seen him embrace the City fans like he did last night, uh, and that made me uh, very happy as a Raheem Sterling aficionado. Uh, how, so. how long do you think it is before he starts being linked with Real and Barca? Because surely he's not far off that now. I kind of still think he's underrated in a, in a sense. Yeah, um, but without you know um, being biased to City, I don't. I, if I was him, why would you leave Man City? Or, he is going to be the main man when Aguero and David Silva leaves, I think. Um, and Pep Guardiola's there. They, they could go back-to-back in the league. Um, and if they do, then why aren't they one of the best teams in the yeah, world? Yeah, I do see that, but I kind of feel that it, there's a point in every player's career in the Prem where they end up being linked. And I think he, I think he's reached that point of quality. It's whether, yeah. whether the kind of scenario at City ever pushes him that way. But yeah, mm. you're right at the moment. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I don't know if he fit in at Madrid anyway. He might have a bit of a Gareth Bale sort of. He's a very Guardiola style of player, yeah. isn't he? So you'd think if anywhere it'd be. Mm. Yeah, Barca. Barca, yeah, I mean, as Gavin Harris famously said in goal two, nobody says no to the Real Madrid. So you know, I think it is very, I think it is very difficult for any player to, to turn them down. Um, <coughs> But no, he's doing very well. And um, one step closer to the Ballon d'Or that we're all craving for Raheem. Yeah, well, I come on here to spread propaganda about Raheem Sterling. And um, no, he's not going to win the Ballon d'Or. Well, he might win the Ballon d'Or if City go on to win a treble. And he joins, or and he joins Real next season. Yeah, you can't really win the Ballon d'Or if you don't play in Spain, I always feel. In the last when was decade. the last player? Is it Ronaldo? As a, British, as a player playing in Britain, everyone. 
Ronaldo yeah, yeah. for United. Yeah. Oh, did he win it with United? 2008, yeah. 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 Um, does Edison have braces? I think so, yeah. This is going back to the theory that he's like the kid that's been yeah. put back a couple of years in school. Because I was going to, I saw you tweet about it yesterday and I was going to comment saying something a bit defamatory about him still wearing braces as well. But I'm also aware that you've got quite a big city following on Twitter, so I didn't really. I don't think any of them would be that offended. Mm, I, but I just thought there's not really much point in me risking having an hour of my life taken over with abuse from city fans about criticising the alignment of Edison's yeah, uh, he's, bowlers. Yeah, he's ugly. That's the end of he it. He is, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've always thought he looks a bit like Ben Arthur. He looks like a distant cousin of Ben Arthur, I think. Ben Arthur's odd looking. He well, is odd looking. Mm. I think a neck tattoo and braces is an odd combo. There can't be many people in the world yeah. who have that. Maybe you get, yeah. maybe like, I don't know. And it's not a nice neck, neck tattoo either, is it? It's just... What are nice neck I've tattoos? I've never seen a nice neck tattoo. Um, no. I, um, Very good I, don't, I don't have any tattoos, and I'm not a massive fan of them anyway, but Otamendi has quite a nice one on his on the back of his neck. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Edison is just, I don't know what it is, to be honest, just a nice pattern. I think Beckham's was all right, with the way he yeah, incorporated it, but like maybe that's that. just because I'm kind of inclined to yeah, like anything yeah. Beckham There's a Venezuelan well. player, Joseph Martinez, who plays for <laughs> Atlanta United, who has a very nice <laughs> neck tattoo. Well, I, I think if, um, if you've got maybe a bit of a scar on your neck or something like that, then... That's understandable. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, I, I do kind of question it. But yeah, free well, work. I think Tevez free should society. have done something with what he was he had on his Quite neck. Possibly, yeah. Quite something possibly. out of that. Mm. Yeah. But I think it suits them as players because, like, Tevez had this like to quote Martin Tyler had like a bulldog approach. Mm. Yeah. Um, Edison is like a as I was saying earlier, he's a he's a nutter, um, and I I think it suits him to look like the ugly kid at school. Yeah. Um, where if he was like a, a pop, like a pretty boy, like doing his hair, mm. I don't think it would suit his style of I running. I think his hair's all right, to be fair. His hair's right. Yeah, I, I find it kind of intriguing when, when what a player looks like on the pitch and then what they look like in their own clothes. Because you yeah, get players yeah. like like when a, when they dye their hair or do something ridiculous, it kind of looks all right in a kit. And then when they they wear like just the pair of jeans and a t-shirt, it looks ridiculous. Yeah. I think like, it's long hair as well, like Virgil Van Dijk. You don't realise that his hair is actually quite long because he mm. he doesn't just tie it by, but he puts it into a bun. And when you see him like casually, it looks like something like Harry Potter. Looks <laughs> I've like not actually seen that. Snape's like dark cousin. Like that. <laughs> um, so that's good. But no, we've done well. First first ten minutes, we've got Gavin Harrison, we've got Martin Tyler in, so off to a good start. And mm-hmm. so you know. Um, but nil nils. We were talking about nil nils the other day, and there's always kind of the conception that nil nils are boring, which. I think it's fair, you know, generally speaking, goals is what makes football exciting. But some nil-nils can be absorbing, you know, intriguing battles. The Liverpool game the other day was, I wouldn't necessarily say absorbing, but it, it wasn't, like, dull. It was worth watching. It was two, two good sides that had approached the game well. You know, Bayern had been, they'd come thinking, you know, we don't want to concede easily here. Um, and Liverpool just find it difficult to break them down, ultimately. So... Don't think it's always the case that it's it's a boring game, but it was Barney that came up with this idea about the best ever nil nils. Now, you were talking about the Italian idea of it being the perfect scoreline. Yeah, well, there's an idea. Obviously, if it's nil nil, the defences of both teams have both have both managed not to make any mistakes. So uh, the Italians have this idea that nil nil is the perfect score because basically it's both teams sort of giving their most perfect performance if neither manages to score. Which I think um I think you do sometimes see games. Um 
where that is the case, especially if it's sort of right at the top of the game. However, if you're watching lower quality football, I guess what you want is probably drama, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, any memorable nil-nils that come to mind for you, Jack? No, not well, at all. Sorry, so which I don't think is a surprise. That's the point, that's the point <laughs> yeah, really, I guess, exactly, then, isn't yeah. it? Um, there was, the thing that struck me about this nil-nil thing and the nil-nil debate was, and it's been mentioned a little bit, but ten years ago or so, nil-nils in Champions League football, particularly the knockout stages, were very common. Uh, when Arsenal played, when Arsenal got to the final in 2006 uh, and they played Real Madrid in the last 16, they... Won, they managed to get a one nil win, and then in one of the legs, and then drew nil nil in the other one. And um, so it was a, it was a lot more common then, and it, I think it it shows from Tuesday because Liverpool were kind of disappointed with the nil nil draw, and in previous years you would have thought oh, that you know we've got a team here that I think they've been in the semi finals of the Champions League like five times in the last eight seasons or something like that by Munich. If you're welcoming a team like that, um, you. Take a nil-nil, you think, oh yeah, we've got a nil-nil draw, we just need to go there, be really solid and maybe try and nick a goal. But now it's almost kind of like if you don't score in your own ground, you know, you're, you're in trouble. So I think it's um, indicative of how football's changed a little bit. Uh, Lewis, have you got any riveting, struggling for words there, riveting nil-nils <laughs> in your locker? Yeah, pull out your dictionary there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I don't mind a nil-nil, um, but I always feel they don't really stick in your head. Like You, you sometimes say after the game, oh, that was a good nil-nil, but you don't remember it like a year mm. later. You, you always remember nil-nils for the boring ones, and one that always sticks in my mind is Man City nil, Stoke nil. Um, and I was basically not watching the game, I was watching my phone because uh, PSG Barca was just going on when when Barca did the mad comeback, I was at the game and um, it was freezing and uh, I was just, well, it was like Sergio Roberto scored and I think that was the best cheer of the night in the Etihad that night. Um, but my favourite score is probably in, uh, 1-0 actually, a 1-0 away win. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love I love a 1-0 away win. Get your goal about 60 minutes and just set up, <laughs> set up shop. It always comes about 57 minutes from, <laughs> from either a corner or outside the box. What, and you don't like it if it's 57? You want it on 60? No, no, I like it. You're happy with 57. 57 to 60. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of managers make their subs as well, don't they? On uh, kind of like 62, 63. So if you score a 57, then, you know, you you can make subs Mm -hmm. respond to that. It's like a typical away performance, and it's like the away end is kicking every ball. Um, I just love that, um, seeing them over the line. It's like the first half you are the better team, but you can't get the goal, and then you finally get the goal. It normally comes from a corner or like a a brilliant like long shot or something like that. Um, Would you not prefer it if the get if the goal comes a bit a bit later on towards eighty to ninety minutes? Yeah, like, but, I, I, the, the yeah. best United wins I've seen are almost like a Fellaini shithousery goal in the eighty seventh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like that does does top a fifty seventh to sixtieth minute for me. I know what you're getting at. I do know mm. what you're getting at when you're kicking every kicking every ball in your way, but. I think the reason that nil-nils don't stick in the memory, and it's not nothing too insightful, but when you think of a football match, you remember who scored, and if nobody scored, it's like, what do you remember? It's like, oh yeah, that nil-nil, yeah, yeah, the one where Keane got a yellow card in the 37th minute, oh yeah, that one was good, that one, wasn't it? Um, You know, if there's no 57th minute goal, then what do you remember? Uh, But with nil-nils and the Italian ideas, it got us thinking about Italian football as well, which has been getting quite a bit of attention recently. Rightly so, I think. Uh, Italian football, I 
always think is quite interesting. But there's a few different kind of patterns that are uh, gaining a bit of interest at the moment. One of them is AC Milan, who have gone through this kind of dark period for an extended period of time, about a decade really, since they had the likes of Kaka in their ranks. Um, they've signed a lot of players over over those 10 years that you can't really see what they've been trying to do with their identity but they've got these two young lads now that have come in uh, in January uh, Piontek and Pacchietta the pronunciation of the latter was helped there by Lewis Steele I was, I was going to go for Pacchietta but these two have really kind of captured the imagination not just in Milan but also you know around Europe um, Piontek scored he, well he, he was a, another Italian side I want to say Genoa Genoa yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, and he did very well. Came to Milan, carried on his form, scored a brilliant goal at <laughs> the weekend against Atalanta, who were a very good side, um, competing for Champions League, and many fancied them to actually get in there. People have been saying it's the first kind of decent striker they've really had since Ibrahimovic. Uh, and AC Milan traditionally have always been a side that you can identify with as having a good striker. They had Shevchenko, they had Inzaghi, and now they've got Piontek. Uh, Lewis, what do you make of the young Polish fella? Um, well, he's 23. Um, he's only been at Milan uh, less than a month, but he's already got, I think, a goal a game ratio. He scored a double the other week. Um, he looks very good. He seems to have that sort of knack of knowing where the goal is, um, which sounds obvious, but a lot of strikers don't seem to have that, and Milan haven't had that striker for, as you say, maybe a decade. Um and obviously they they're not going to win the league obviously this year, but they could get top four, and that could be the building block for Milan to really get back amongst the big clubs in Europe, which which I'd I'd like to see because I always like to see uh, Milan and Inter in the latter stages of the Champions League. I always love watching uh, games on the telly at the San Siro. Um, so yeah, he's twenty three. I I'm just wondering how far he can go in the game. Whether he can obviously he's Polish. Whether he can sort of live up to Robin Levin. Lewandowski's sort of legacy and maybe go on and move to a big club like Bayern Munich or a Chelsea or someone and really nail down a yeah the thing with AC Milan they, they are European royalty they've won seven Champions League titles so they are always going to be up there in that bracket so I think it's good for the game really to have them have them back up there which hopefully will happen soon the other young lad Pacchietta has been compared to Kakar which I think's maybe a little bit um, premature but this was encouraged um, when that goal went in there was a photo of um, one of them on the other's back which was very reminiscent of a photo of Kakar and Shevchenko back in their heyday which has led to a lot of comparisons uh, Barney what do you think of this this fine Brazilian that they've got in their ranks now mm, well I'm a bit reticent to comment on um, on the potential of Brazilian players after what I said about um, the Guy at uh, Real, what's his name? Vinicius. 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 I feel. I feel like it's a difficult one to decide how to pronounce that one. Anyway, um, because I sort of I was saying that I didn't think he was necessary. I thought he was being overhyped a little bit last week, but then I watched the highlights of him playing against Ajax, and he actually looked excellent. So um, you haven't him yet. <laughs> so, so, so I'm a little bit skeptical to. Um, to sort of say that someone's being overrated again, really. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not seeing this um, this player play for AC Milan yet. But it certainly does look as though they're sort of 
Um, getting in young players again and players with potential rather than sort of seem like for a while they've sort of spent big on sort of well big wages anyway on like big names that aren't necessarily sort of going to grow with the club particularly um so i think it's probably um quite it looks like their club like uh, recruitment policy is going in the right direction yeah certainly uh, we always have this idea in football of comparing players to, to previous players and that's kind of inevitable um Jack, do you feel that this these constant comparisons to someone like Kaká, who's obviously such an influential player when he was there, do you think it's helpful or do you think it's just a little bit overbearing for such a young player? I think I think it's overbearing, but I also think it's a bit frustrating. I, I kind of dislike the the tradition of asking players about these comparisons as well. It's like, oh, you've been likened to, to Kaká and uh, what do you think of this? And they always say, oh, it's an honour to be... Um, like into such a player but I want to create my own legacy and it's kind of this just cliche that keeps going round and round and it, I, if I personally was a player being constantly um, compared I think I just find it frustrating like why do we have to compare it like it's a, it's a new player let's enjoy them for what they are like there's no two players that are identical so let's just keep them separate and, and say yes he could be very good but why do we have to say oh he's exactly like this which inevitably they're not or they don't turn out that way so yeah I'm not a huge fan of that tradition yeah. personally Wonderful. Elsewhere in the Italian capital, um, Inter Milan striker Mauro Icardi, which I've been looking forward to pronouncing, I feel a bit like James Horncastle, uh, <laughs> is, well, he's in a bit of a situation at Inter. He's been stripped of the captaincy, it's been a lot of controversy, and he's now been linked with kind of every club under the sun. Um, prolific goal scorer, scored a heck of a lot of goals, didn't travel for Inter Milan's recent Europa League games, didn't think he was in the right state of mind. Um, his wife has got involved in the whole dispute. Um, I think Spalletti came out today and said something about how it can't the issues can't be resolved over the internet and social media doesn't help these kind of things. Uh, Lewis, what do you make of the whole debacle? Um, do you think a bit of sympathy with Icardi, maybe? Um, I don't know, really. Um, he's obviously a very good footballer, but he seems to have that sort of knack of being always in the headlines for the wrong reasons off the pitch. I think he's missed a few games through suspension as well this season. And I know that um, the Argentinian boss, what's his name now? Is it San Paoli? It's not anymore. I don't no, think, but I think he left. Yeah, that. but San Paoli didn't take him to the World Cup, yeah, if, right. if I remember correctly, so there must be something there. Um, so I don't know. I think obviously he's very good for Inter. And he if he did go to a very big club, he would score goals, but... I think the obvious one is Chelsea. That's who I've seen him linked with this morning. Um, but like Chelsea want a bit of like a steadiness. I don't think he's the right player to bring in there. But obviously he's a very good player. And his wife's been getting involved. I know someone threw a brick or something at her. Uh, yeah. The thing I like about this is wife is she called Wanda. Wanda, yeah, yeah. The thing I like about this is I think the club that he's perfect for is Atletico Madrid because mm. he's not without being too disrespectful to him, he's not the best striker on the ball. I mean, when you see his goal-scoring record, it doesn't necessarily reflect um, his, his ability on the ball. It's just purely, you know, his eye for goal, his goal-scoring. He's very much that striker of, he gets the ball, you know, he gets a sniff of goal and he will put it away. He's probably up there with the, the very best in world football in terms of, you know, shots-to-goal ratio. Um, and obviously, Athletic Madrid play at the one, so that's the reason for me saying that. But, 
he, that that's the type of club I think, but I doubt they could afford him. They spent quite a lot on attacking players mm. recently. They bought Lamar in the summer. Uh, they bought Diego Costa before that, and they've got Morata at the moment. Um, if Griezmann goes, maybe, but Griezmann's maybe got that bit of flair that they kind of need, and he's been there for a while. But maybe that could be one to keep an eye on. Um, Barney, what do you think about Mauro Icardi? Yeah, I think uh, he probably needs a move away from Italy. It seems when he when he got the captaincy at Inter, I thought it was a bit of a weird one because there's already been a lot of controversy surrounding him at the club. It seemed a bit of a strange move to then give him the responsibility of being captain. Um, so I th- I think he could do to go to a club. To be honest, just with more discipline where he's not going to get away with making the demands that he is able to get away with making it into well I say he's able to get away with making it he's obviously not played for however many games but um, yeah I, th- I think it, I think he needs to go to a club where he's maybe a sort of a smaller fish a little bit and uh, where he doesn't feel sort of entitled and as though he can run the show because he is a very good player, and uh, yeah, he could be well. He could probably play for any side in the world. Really, he'd be a good addition to any squad. Yeah, and he does have that thing as well. He seems to have a bit of edge about him. There's some something I've read before about how he obviously they've got the ultras in Italy, and he kind of called out the ultras and said, uh, "Well, if you want to, you know, meet me outside the the stadium after the game, then you know, bring you bring what you've got. Uh, I'm up for it, kind of thing." Which I think that could work very well in England. Would you, would you have him at United, Jack? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> not, <laughs> not <going to. laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't want to meet him outside. Oh, right. either, I mean, no, I, I don't think I'd have him at United. Am I wrong in saying he's actually only scored nine goals this season, which is not... I think I think that's right, and I don't think he's actually been performing on the pitch. I know there's been recently this kind of off-the-pitch stuff, but I don't know. I don't know whether he yeah, does I think, slot I think, he, I think he struggled a little bit on pitch, so I'm not sure he does like demand that kind of slotting into any side in the world. Mm. Reputation really like I, I, don't get me wrong I rate him a lot but I'm not sure whether he's kind of living up to being able to do what he wants off the pitch and still command a, a, a place in a starting eleven so yeah yeah, yeah I guess I he'd only kind of inhibit Rashford as well wouldn't he yeah yeah, um, yeah. I wouldn't go to England if I was him I always feel like <laughs> is that a ward is that a ward stay away no it's just the English press are, this is ridiculous, isn't it? If you have two bad games in the in in a run, you're a fraud. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Well, I was thinking a bit about Suarez as well, and yeah, like Suarez, Balotelli. Yeah. They didn't like it at all. Yeah, because that was what Suarez maybe he could said, maybe he could go Barca and take over from Suarez, who yeah. was very poor. Um, well, he was at Barca as a as a youth player. He was, um, and I don't know. I just wonder about his swearing that one. <laughs> was it? I presume so. There's a good story physics. about one that Maxi, Maxi Lopez's Max, wife, yeah. isn't it? And he had an affair with her, and then got a tattoo of their kids. Yeah, yeah, that's a that could be a good article. That. Yeah, if you fancy it, Barney. Maybe Barney's got his hand back. <laughs> Barney's got his hand back in. Um, he's written an article for the website, haven't you? Yeah, it's very exciting times, isn't what's it? it? What's it about? <laughs> uh, it was about Harry Cabadal because um, Barca were going to play Leon. Obviously, Abadal, a great player, great servant of both sides. Now technical director at Barca. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. very good. Um, There was also a twenty-nil scoreline. That's right, twenty-nil in Serie C at the weekend, Um, which 
got us thinking about one-sided scorelines. I think this happened, um, it, it was in the, as I say, it was in Serie C. I think there was only seven players on one team. Um, the thing I liked about this was that there was a player called Defendi that scored about five or six goals. There's a few hat-tricks knocking around. And that team, I think they're called Pro Piacenza, uh, excuse my pronunciation, who have been thrown out of the league now. This kind of thing, you know... It, if it was going to happen, you wouldn't be particularly surprised here that it happened in Italy. But if I was thinking about one-sided scorelines um, that we've played in, uh, I've personally never been involved in a game that's exceeded the 20 mark. But I know that it, it has happened. Um, Jack, I'm going to come to you on this one. Um, <laughs> any ridiculous scorelines in the, in the game of football? Not personally, I was kind of thinking more on a, on a, f- a fan basis, mm. sort of like uh, on the receiving end of, of big scorelines, because I don't think I've been in one myself. The one that came into my head immediately was, unfortunately, the 6-1 against City, which was a, a, a very, very unenjoyable experience. And it I don't beats, think it beats Arsenal League too. Yeah, I, yeah, I, but I mean, if we've been on the receiving yeah, end of them, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, we've had a few big wins, but rare as a United fan to receive such a beating, and that was, yeah, not a nice place to be. But yeah, no. But on a personal, no, I don't think so. No. Yeah. You had any big, uh, yeah, Kings Sunday League? I've won a couple, but I, I don't really like those games. They're a bit. I always feel a bit boring and a bit. You feel a bit awkward, like shaking hands with the team after the game when you've won like twenty two nil. So I was also trying to think of it through a similar lens as Jack, and I can't think of any mm. times where my team has been beaten by that many. Um, um, five aside, we all for play for the same five aside team. Listener, if you didn't know, we do. Um, <laughs> uh, we won something ridiculous the other night. I have no idea what no, the score was the on score Tuesday. Was, no. I think it was about eight four. I don't think it was no, as it ridiculous was, as we um, yeah, no, At least 13. me and Pez got six between us at least. Yeah, you got two. I feel like if we if we wanted to, we could easily score fifteen. Yeah, if we wanted to. But, but why would, we why would we want to do something like that? <laughs> you just said that you don't like it. <laughs> no, I don't like it, but the people we play five-a-side against are very annoying people. <laughs> so I'd like to do it to them. Let's change of tact. <laughs> well, next week, then, we'll make sure we score 15. Yeah. That'll be fine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, let's do it. Sounds good. Well, you've scored almost 15. Well, you probably do it between you every game. I've scored nine in a game this season. That's the most I've scored. Your triple hat trick. Mm. That's nice. Yeah, it was, it was very nice. Probably yeah. been the highlight of my year. Yeah, no, but I do take your point about respect. And it, it, when people mention this thing about respect, I always remember Neymar doing a rainbow flick over someone's head when he played for Santos and the other team like not being happy about it. And I've always struggled to establish where my line is on that. Because I, yeah, I, I don't think I think people are too into the idea of respect. I mm. I would I don't think. Yeah. You should have any respect for your opposition whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do feel the captain of our five side, Joe Davis, would uh, have a big challenge on Neymar quite mm, soon yeah. after such a rainbow flick. But mm. I'm 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 with Barney mm. on this. I don't think but respect yeah. just just yeah, this it's a good skill. He beat yeah. a man. I kind of think if you're Neymar as well and he's doing that, he probably thinks, Oh, well, I know well, I know what they're gonna do. You expect it, don't yeah, you? Yeah. If you're like if you, you know, manage to rainbow <laughs> flick on someone, your body probably automatically like tenses or expects yeah, yeah, yeah. to receive a foul. Well the most well, dis- disrespectful one of them probably we were talking about at Curlon with the seal dribble. Yeah. I don't know how he wasn't clapped well he was oh, clapped a few YouTube times, he was, yeah. 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 yeah gets the ball on his head and yeah, runs yeah. along with it and just gets defenders just, just, flying yeah. in at both sides. I wonder what he's up to now. 
He's retired. He's only 31, yeah. He's he's probably working in like a dolphin show or something like that. I would have thought that is exactly where. That's surely where the marketing opportunity is. Um, We've got a question, which is about a six-a-side team. This is from Tom Griff, who's written a couple of lovely articles on our website, the most recent of which is about Sheffield United and their uh, five-at-the-back formation under Chris Wilder, which has seen them have a good degree of success in the Championship this season, and they maintain their push for promotion um, in Sheffield at the moment. So I think we're all, you know, all sympathetic to their their efforts. Um, myself and Lewis have actually both been to a Sheffield United press conference this season, which was an excellent experience. Chris Wilder, lovely gentleman. You, you also met Billy Sharp, didn't you? Indeed, yeah. yeah he I, was a lovely gentleman too. Yeah, I had George Baldock, also fantastic gentleman. So, from the sample <laughs> size we've got, I have to say, one of the best football teams ever. Um, <laughs> but that's not what the question's about. It's actually about a six-a-side team. Um, I was a bit interested that it was phrased as a six-a-side rather than five-a-side, but we'll go with six. Um, imagine you're picking a six-a-side team purely from Premier League players of the past and present. Who would you choose and why? Uh, Jack Perry. Yeah, well, I did say before um, I'd, I'd had quite a long and hard think about. It. I'm a big fan of this question um, because, in, like, for my for my six aside team, you want players I think who are good in tight spaces, but you also want a couple who aren't going to take any nonsense from the other team. So I've got in goal, I've got Schmeichel. I just think he's he's so big and commands such a uh, presence in goal that in a small six aside goal, he'd be he'd be the one for me. Got Rio at the back. I think uh, he's always been good with his feet. Good passer, uh, solid. He'd be my captain, I think. Um, and then I've got Kante in front of him, just just flying about the pitch. I think I'd hate to play against him in a six-a-side pitch. Um, and then I've got David Silva, Suarez, and Van Nistelrooy, kind of rotating up top. All good in tight spaces. All ruthless finishers. That's that's where I've gone with it. Excellent. I think that's a pretty solid too. Mm. Um, yeah, any amendments that we'd like yeah, to? Yeah, has anyone? Uh, Aguero for Van Nistelrooy was yeah. one that I considered. Thinking about yeah. distribution-wise with Schmeichel in goal, whether you want mm. a slightly more modern goalkeeper. And a six-a-side Yeah, I've got Edison in mind. Well, I mean, I'm thinking about Lewis Stale spraying balls about on a five-a-side yeah, pitch. He had yeah. a shot the other day, yeah. and he yeah. uh, shamelessly admitted that it was a shot. Yeah, yeah, it was a shamelessly, it was a good effort. The keeper uh, was having a water. Um, yeah. Our striker, Ander, got in the way of it. Yeah. Yeah, I liked yeah. it. I thought it was good effort. I shouted leave it, um, which would get me a yellow card in Sunday League, wouldn't it? You know, hard to yeah, shout yeah, out. Um, he didn't leave it. He is Spanish, so should have maybe shouted like Deshaw. What's leave it? Well, I don't know. Deshaw plays excuse me, so that's the closest <laughs> that would, I can think of. It's going to be excellent if he'd done that. <laughs> what is it, Terry? Deshaw pay, I think. Yeah, so Barney, you were saying about your distribution. Yeah, I think um, I'd, I'd go with Edison based on. Yeah. Distribution and shop stop, um, mm. shot stopping. I think. I think you're. Um, my my style of play is going to be a bit more of a slow build up. I think. Oh, really? okay. Rio, just placed yeah. at Rio's Just a little feet. placed yeah. at Rio's feet, and off you go. Yeah. Rather than yeah. I like the distribution argument. The thing I'm thinking about is the size of the pitch. Edison's very good with his feet, but I think you can do. I reckon you can cover the whole five side thing with throws. I'm very into my throws. Yeah. I mm. like the idea that a, a goalie can kind of. Have more, especially when they can do that one-handed one with the back spin. Oh, yeah. David Seaman's good at that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking. I remember David James once did this throw, which assisted a Michael Owen goal, where he threw it like it was almost to the opposition box. He yeah. had to run up and stuff like it was from a corner, and he like ran and hurled it. So I'm not necessarily saying David James, but I'm not ruling him out purely on the basis of his throw. So okay. I'm. 
that's my only thoughts on the goalkeeping thing. Mm. Um, but I think I like that team. Yeah, I'm happy for that team to well, represent the podcast. Well, well, I've got a few <laughs> things to say about it because I've oh. I've been thinking a bit hard on this, uh, <laughs> and you know, like tactics, and I've come up with a tactical innovation that could put the likes of Guardiola and Cruyff and that to sh- to shame. Is it a two seven two? No, it's not a two seven two. It's a um, I've got a midfielder playing in defence. I've got N'Golo Kante as one of the back two. I've got a two-two-one basically, and then Kante, when we've got the ball, is going to step into. So the who's he playing alongside? Yeah, uh, Vidic. Not Rio. No, no. I've always, I've always preferred Vidic, and the reason why is because every letter of his uh, name is a Roman numeral. So I think you want that gladiator sort of approach. Um, I'm about that. To be that's so yeah. I, yeah. Kante, <laughs> Kante, Kante or maybe Fernandinho are going to play an auxiliary defensive role off the ball, but on it they're going to step forward and mm. supplement the attack. And um, what was your midfield again? Uh, I've, I had David Silva. Yeah, I, I quite like Silva, um, but I've gone with Lampard oh. and sorry and uh, Cristiano. Yeah, I mean, you would put Ronaldo in there, wouldn't you? And I've got, me, it, and I've got a Guerrero up front for the... For me, it's open person. open spaces is what he thrives in. Like yeah. he, he, mm. In the Premier League, at least, he was it was when he could run down the wing and had a bit of space to exploit. I'm not sure. In, I'm not saying he's bad in tight spaces. Like, Ronaldo no, is know what you mean now. excellent, but... Suarez might me, do a better Suarez job. Is, mm, I like the Suarez show. In the, in, I remember him scoring multiple goals for Liverpool where he just kind of beat a couple of players with his with yeah. quick feet and then finish it bottom yeah, corner. Yeah, I think you take one of Suarez and Aguero for that tight mm, space yeah, thing. Yeah, for that. I do agree that Aguero is really I think good. you're going to struggle with distribution there if you play Kante and Vidic at the back. Not for Roman numerals, though. Not for well, Kante. Kante. Yeah, not maybe Fernandinho mm. instead of Kante. Mm. Yeah, that might I was, be I, I thought of the tactic before I thought of the player. Oh, right. So I was originally thinking of putting a full-back in. I, I, I quite like the idea of someone that could shoot, like an Alonso, a... a I was uh, thinking Marcus Alonso, Alonso, but I hate Marcus I Alonso. Yeah, I really dislike him. I was thinking Jabby, but yeah. yeah, but he don't have the legs. He never know. played in the Premier League. He'd be yeah, it's a Premier League one, I'm afraid, Andrew. Jabby Alonso. Oh, oh, Jabby uh, Alonso. Sorry, sorry, we had Jabby. Sorry, sorry. It's alright. I think Wayne Rooney. It's worth a shout. Mm. I've always been a fan of Wayne Rooney, um, football playing wise. <laughs> kind of, I question whether you need a holding midfielder or any kind of midfielder. I'm wondering whether you could go absolutely mad with this and be like, right, I've got my goalie, I'll have a defender, um, if it's Rio or whatever, and then go like Rooney, David Silva. Yeah. I think if you've got if you're playing six aside, you have a defend like uh, someone who yeah, just stays six, at the back, six, six and well, then someone who sits on the edge of the attack. Yeah. Yeah, Milner could be everywhere. To be fair, Milner's not a bad shell mm. for a for a six aside. Mm. Mm. I feel like we've missed someone obvious, but. Yeah, well, we haven't mentioned Henri, which is arguably the yeah, best. Yeah, but, he's, but then long, again, he's not going to get a chance to open up, is it? That was my feeling with Ronaldo as well. Mm. But listeners, do give us your opinions. Um, I, I always think Bergkamp's going to come up with things like this, but there's, there's, there's not much space, you know, there really isn't. Yeah, and the Dutch love space, don't they? Mm. A lot of open spaces and canals and stuff. <laughs> Have you been reading Brilliant Orange? I have, yeah. I finished it last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brilliant that makes sense, it. yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the third topic we've got is kind of, it was a, a, a fan question, but we think it's so good. Turned into a whole topic. Uh, this is about Yugoslavia. It comes from Alex Alton, who's always a very reliable contributor of questions to the show. 
And he asks, could the panel agree on an 11 of players from the former Yugoslavian states? I like that question. I've not seen that till now, but yeah, I like that. Also, where would this team finish in international competition? So it's a bit of a two-parter. So a bit Semi-finals of <coughs> is where they'd finish. Right. That's good that we've got that. <laughs> right, we'll move on there. <laughs> That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> um, Yugoslavia was a land for Southern Slavic people. Uh, it came into existence in 1918. Um, it went through a series of changes in terms of the way it was governed, renamed. It was renamed several times. It became communist in 1946. In 1963, a man called Tito became president for life. Um, tension emerged quickly after um, he was he became president. Um, there were several demonstrations. There was one particular protest when students in Belgrade and also other cities across Serbia joined in with other worldwide demonstrations that were going on at the time. Uh, at the time, Tito sort of he didn't condemn them at all. He kind of sympathised with them in public and said the students had a right to protest. Over the years that followed, he kind of systematically removed all those students from whatever positions of power that they may have held. Any people that were influencing them were kind of removed from their position as he tried to crack down on it. The discontent persisted all the way through the following decades until Tito died in 1980. After that, ethnic tensions continued <laughs> to grow. Bad <laughs> line to be laughing on, really. They led, to the, the, it is, they led to the Yugoslav War in the 1990s. Um, the, the whole country broke up into its kind of constituent parts and it's left with what we've got today, which is Slovenia, Croatia, Serbia, Bosnia, Macedonia, Montenegro and Kosovo. So... Our question is, what players have we got from those countries, essentially, that um, could make it into a, an eleven? Is it Handanovic? So, well, we've gone Oblak. Oblak, yeah. Oh, yeah, because you arrived late. Uh, we had a bit we did of have a brief. Yeah. What is Oblak Slovenia? Mm, yeah. Is it? Mm. They've had some good goalkeepers. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah no, Oblak. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Centre-backs. Yeah. Vidic, I said, from Serbia. Yeah, are we doing past or present? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I assumed past and present by. I think past and present, yeah. Right, okay. But post-break-up. Yeah. yeah. Right, interesting, that. Yeah, you'd have Vidic then, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, Croatia, they had some good centre-backs. I know the World Cup, they had Vida and Lovren. I wouldn't have any of them by choice, but I feel like you might have you to You might have, have to go Lovren. Yeah. He's played in a... Yeah, Got his name. He, he put the cross in, didn't yeah, he, he did, for yeah. um, Got a bit of Modric and Rakitic in the middle. It's yeah, I'd me. also have Miralem Pjanic as well. Yes, he's very good. I like yeah. him. Oh, I like him a lot, yeah. yeah, what? So we playing three three midfielders. Yeah, I think it's hard Jack, to be many. Jack Jack striker. Was that who you're thinking of? Kovacic as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm up for I'm up for Jacko, Yeah, yeah, I think Jacko. And then what we playing wing forwards then? I think so. Perisic, yeah. I always like. Perisic. Yeah, I quite like Perisic. I, I have my doubts, but. Well, we, yeah. we were is, is that just because he scored against England, or do you think? No, I, I feel like he could have done more throughout his career. Yeah. Basically. I always feel like he could have. 
Could have done a bit more. Could have got a bit more. Is Dejan Stankovic allowed to be in this team, even though he played for Yugoslavia? Just for that volley um, against Neuer. Yeah. Really, that was amazing. I want Goran Pandev to be in the squad. Yeah, he has only he's got a place on the bench. <laughs> yeah. There's a Milinkovic Savic who's not been that yeah. good this season was linked with a lot of big clubs for FDF. He could be he could make a shout in the next few years. Are we, are we Robert Corrin. Hull City legend. I've only heard of him from football manager, but forty five minutes in which we haven't actually mentioned Hull City at all. Um, yeah, so. which is great. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean he, he he deserves a mention. He's he scored at the World Cup first league. Yeah. Yeah, Scott probably one of one of their only World Cup goals. Yeah, um, yeah, I think Jacko Jacko tops pretty. Are we saying players that could play for Kosovo if they were recognised? Looking for what you Shakiri maybe, mm. and I mean Shaka. Yanislav, which is a personal favourite, but I mean I also don't think he gets a place. Yeah, don't know. Matic. Uh, he's not someone that could play mm. for the thingy, but be in the squad, wouldn't he? Yeah. Are we playing? Are we playing three in midfield? Maybe. I think so. So Would he give a bit more balance? Or Rakitic can play in there. Well, you could play. Could you not play Pjanic on Pjanic as on the a, wing as a wing forward? Maybe mm, I'd rather him as more of a. Pjanic. I know that's pulling the strings as a yeah. register. You just wanted to use that word, didn't you? I did. Registability. So right, the team, the team. Let's let's okay. nail this team down. We've got Jan Oblak in goal. We have. Yeah. We're happy. Um, right back. Do we go for Vasalko? No, Serna. Serna. Yeah. Um, we've in the centre. We've got Vidic, captain. Ooh, Modric. Okay, okay. Um, don't know. Who's, don't who's know. the other centre back? Did we say Ivanovic? No. I think Ivanovic needs to be in there. Uh, we said Lovren, didn't we? For the yeah, other yeah, yeah, Lovren. I said Ivanovic. I know Ivanovic was right back then, if we're having to say I think Ivanovic was. What, play him at centre back? He, well, right back. I think he has to be I in there. I'd say. I think Serna's. I think it's. Serna's played for what Shakhtar pretty much his whole career. for ages, yeah. Mm, he's like, I think he's like 36 now still yeah, playing for I, I feel like he's a player who should have played for one of Europe's top clubs so Ivanovic yeah. did there's a difference between should and yeah, should Ivanovic I mean and you, Ivanovic is a horrible player to play against isn't he but I don't, I don't think he's, he's sort of a stocky. brilliant footballer mm. oh, yeah. I, I also like to throw Vedran Chaluka in the mix yeah yeah, yeah he's in the squad isn't he so who's left back then is that the, the Croatian? So we're leaving Ivanovic out. Yeah. That's fine. We can. We can. Well, I'm yeah. not happy about it. Yeah, but we're, we're taking I, big I decisions here. So, yeah. Five three, <laughs> So that's the back four. Then we go for the three-man midfield of Modric, Rakitic, Pjanic. Yeah. Yeah, it's a that. very attacking midfield, but the possession. They keep possession. They're very disciplined. I'd say all three have got very high level of football intelligence. Well, Rakitic just played in that role behind the two for Barca this season. There'd be very little sort of. Waste of possession, would yeah, yeah, they'll sort, they'll sort yeah. that out. And then the front three, Jekko up top. Obviously, what, what, yeah. what are we having on next to? We did. We, we, I think we had Perisic one way, and yeah, you would go Perisic. Perisic. Unless you could turn it into a diamond and play Jekko and maybe a Mandzukic, but they're a bit too similar for yeah, like that. Not the most. We, we could play Perisic in the two. With Jekko, yeah, off Jekko. Well, there's people like uh, was it Olic as well? Yeah, he was he good. Was good he? he was quite good for quite yeah. a while. Yeah. I don't know if he. Yeah, I don't know. Can we? Th- I mean, can we throw on Shakiri in the on the right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think we can. Let's stick the Shakiri. Yeah, yeah. I think because I think if this team existed, Shakiri would opt for this team. Yeah. Yes. Mm, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Who'd be the manager? Say, that's not saying anything. Yeah, I was thinking Billich. Yeah, it would be Billich, wouldn't it? 
surely. There'll be someone else. I'm there sure. will be someone else, but he's the most celebrity out of the, <laughs> yeah. the Yugoslav. I think he, they're not going to meet up often. He's just the one that's going to be like, right, lads, is look, it we're Rad- here for this. Antic, is that the, the famous? Potentially. Um, Might not be his name. So how far do we think they can go? Barney said semi-finals. I'm happy with that. Although yeah. if Croatia got to the final of the World Cup. Yeah, but I just think that Croatia <laughs> wouldn't get to a final in a normal World Cup. They just sort of, you know, are like yeah. sometimes get a Wigan in their FA yeah, Cup yeah. final. Just got a bit of luck. Ge- generally, them. we're saying international competition, these are going to be looking. They would go into a tournament and be like, it'd be good if we get to the semi-final, is what I think yeah. would be. I think they'd be as good as England are on paper. Well, the midfield would probably be the best midfield. Yeah, we'd the lose tournament. to them. Yeah, on the basis do. we couldn't deal with them. On the basis yeah. that they've got, <laughs> Eric more, they've got more bottle than us. <laughs> yeah. um, whether that be Slovenian, Croatian, Serbian, Bosnian, Macedonian, Montenegrin or Kosovan bottle, they've got more of it than us. Um, but yeah, that, that's our team. Let us know what you think and please send us send us yours too. Uh, moving on swiftly, we've got one other question. We've got two other questions actually, but the first one of which comes from panellist Catherine Batty who I'm very surprised this question doesn't directly relate to Old City, but it is. As a child, I took a particular dislike to Gary Neville, partly because he played for United, partly because I didn't like his hair on FIFA. I really like him as a pundit now and actually find him quite funny. Any players slash managers you used to hate but now like? Um, Barney, Frank Lampard? I've never liked him, so so I'm afraid I can't, I can't sorry, go Sorry, with Frank, one. we're working on it. We're working um, on it. We'll get him on there. <laughs> I mean, I do agree with the Gary Neville thing. I didn't like him very much as a player. I think Ian Wright is someone I've warmed to as a pundit, but I never, I never really saw him as a player properly. Mm. So I wouldn't say that I disliked him before. Um, it's difficult. With that, yeah, I think, it is I, quite a difficult. I was thinking one. that there's some pundits I quite like now. Like, I quite like Jermaine Genus actually, but I didn't dislike yeah. him as a player. I just, he was yeah. very. Middle. Uh, you don't really player, think about them. You just think of them as an opposition player. Yeah. You don't really have an opinion. I mean, Carragher, I guess, but I warmed to him, and and I, then I, I, I went the opposite way, and then he spat. He, the spit that, that kind of like horrible, sent me the other way again. So yeah, I, I agree with Catherine about Neville. I didn't like him, but now yeah, yeah, it seems, seems alright. Um, who's you got any? Um, not pundits, but the does the question specific say has to be Well, yeah, I quite. I hated Fergie as a manager because of how good United were, but yeah. I really warm to him now. I think he's a, a legend of the, the English game. Um, so I quite like him now. He's not a manager and not beating City every week. Uh, same with Cristiano Ronaldo. I had to hate him when he was at United, and now yeah. I appreciate him. I also quite hated him when he was at Madrid, but now I quite appreciate how good he actually is. So there's a few United players. He's not that bad, is he? He's all right. No, he's he's Maybe in the top ten. Maybe yeah. <laughs> shame he's not from the former Yugoslavian state. Yeah. <laughs> really, we've been pushing Edin for that top spot. Might have even adjusted the formation yeah. for him. Who knows? Um, Steve Atkinson, who's a Hull fan, replied to Catherine and said uh, he agrees with Neville. He also liked Roy Keane a lot. Oh, he likes Roy Keane a lot now, but used to hate him with a passion. And as he's got older, he's become more sympathetic with Neil Warnock, uh, which is an interesting point about kind of you know changes in your own life. You know, seeing similarities with other people in the in the public eye, but yeah, lovely question. Uh, we've got another one, which is from Isaac Johnson, who asks: Dwight Kale was given a too much ban for diving last week after a late penalty he won and a draw for West Brom. It's good diving is being punished, but the clubs who suffer the loss of potentially vital points don't benefit from such rulings. Can more be done to help them? Interesting question. 
Barney, I'm going to stick you on the spot. No. Much like the referee does when the players die. Yeah, nothing. No, nothing more can be done, Isaac. That's no. that's uh, <laughs> that's your lot. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I mean, it, it's 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 part of the game, I think, diving. So, I mean, absolutely fair enough that players get punished when um, they do it. But no, I, I don't. I don't think there's anything else mm. that can be done there. Personally, I, I mean, think I think we've gone too far already with maybe. VAR, and I think that they, they, we definitely don't want some sort of like. Uh, rewarding of points in hindsight thing going on. Could it be that the next time they play that player is banned, for example? So if Dwight Gale, if West Brom don't go up and Gale plays again, yeah, I mean they could. That's a good way of, I guess, stamping it out. Like I say, the the problem I have with it is that I actually quite like it when players dive. So, yeah, I do too. So mm. I, I I'm not looking to stamp it out. Particularly. Well, I always think that um, <laughs> just got a bit of the devil. <laughs> a lot of penalties get wrongly sort of put in the diving category a lot with yeah. Salah and Sterling this season yeah. but I just think they're just good at winning penalties yeah I think that's another good they point where, I think a lot of people the say there's not enough contact there to go down it's like well, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't matter if, the, if there is kind of if there is contact that constitutes a foul then a player should go down to try mm. and win a penalty because but I do I do agree with the whole banning them if they do get found diving. Yeah, I, I do as well. Yeah, because yeah. it's equally part of the game that you can't do it. So if you get caught doing it, then and also it won't happen next season with VAR. Um, yeah, or it won't happen as much. I know there was VAR in both games last night with a lot of controversy. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, if they dive, the penalty will get revoked, and maybe the next thing will be that it's a red card. But then it's too hard. Like I always think, there's some things that are. Not a penalty, but also not a dive. Um, mm. So I don't, I don't understand why it sort of infuriates people quite as much as it does as well. well I don't it know if it's like, like it's a masculinity. Last, if thing. it's a last-minute equaliser against Hull City, you would probably be quite annoyed. Yeah, I'd be. Well. I would be very annoyed, but I think that's part of the game that you get annoyed. Like I, I've, I mean, you know, there's loads of stuff, examples of things like that happening to Hull City, but I wouldn't. I don't. I, I wouldn't change the game to to stop them happening. No, I think you know I feel like in every game, like you, decisions go against your team, perhaps unfairly, yeah. and it affects the game. So, like maybe there's a bigger one that affects it more directly, but bad decisions affect the game yeah, constantly. Absolutely. So it's kind of I don't know if you're trying to stamp down every single. It's interesting actually because I thought I thought I was I was very anti VAR, but then during the World Cup, I kind of managed to think fair enough. It, it's okay. But um, watching the highlights of the game last night, I I I've not enjoyed having VAR in the in the Champions League. I don't think it. it I, it's, I don't know. I don't I don't recognise the game mm. in yeah. the same way that I did before. I think the whole VAR thing's a much bigger chat, isn't it? it we'll is, we'll yeah. Save that for a future episode. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. just before we do finish, we've got one more question, which comes from another panelist, Kieran Ahuja, which is another one based on the Championship theme. He asks, was Leeds £200,000 fine for Spygate excessive, justified, or a let-off? Barney, excessive, justified, or a let-off? I think probably... I don't know, I don't know about... I think justified. I don't know how much £200,000 affects yeah. the club, so I don't know. I don't know if sort of that will matter financially for them or not. I think it's fair enough that they got punished for it. But I don't think 
it, they did anything that terrible. Mm. So, I was yeah. thinking the comparison to like fines for racism and stuff. It seems very excessive. Like, yeah, that's I mean, a good. That's a good point. The, the fines for racism and stuff like that's something that actually affects society more generally, and we're saying that yeah. that's more acceptable than sending a spy to a ground like that just doesn't set a good precedent yeah, yeah, I don't think I kind of think they could have been a bit more tactful about this and not actually done a, a financial fine as it were they, I think they, they did probably have to do something discipline wise mm. but not a, a monetary fine I'm not entirely sure what that could have been but I think something could like, have been like, I'm not necessarily saying a points deduction because I yeah. think but, that's, but that's so too if much as well because no, no one ever gets deducted like one point do they? No, no, but but been. that could make a massive difference. Just, yeah, that, it could, that would have been quite interesting. I mean, I don't want to go up, so I would, yeah, yeah, I would have yeah, quite yeah. liked. They could that. have easily <laughs> been deducted three points for the game that they won against Derby, or yeah. at least one point. But yeah. then that would just be ridiculous. I, I agree. Yeah. It's um, too far. I'd probably say, what happens with the money? Where does the money go? You know, yeah. players get fined every time they get booked or sent off or something. They get fined like something stupid, like ten grand. Where does it? What, what happens to that money? It should be. Mm. What do the FA do with it? Do they have like some sort of bank account with lo- loads of money from yellow cards? It should be more, if you do get fined for something, it should be give that money to, for example, Leeds, give it to a grassroots place in Leeds or something. Uh, that's what I'd say to that. Mm. Yeah, they could build some fences or something outside yeah. of the training grounds. Um, but yeah, that'll do, I think, for today's show. Barney, thank you very much. Um, thank you, Andrew. Thanks for staying for the duration. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, thank, great to have you back. Um, what are you up to for the rest of the day? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go and train this afternoon, Andrew, and then and then have a nice relax, I think. Perfect. Lewis, thank you very much. What are you up to? Uh, I'm going to go. I've got a two-hour break now between this and my lecture, so I'm going to go and put the time to good use and maybe write an article or something. Nice. Well, I didn't ask you what you're doing. I feel a bit bad for that. Um, I'm just seeing what I'm doing. I've got an hour break, then I've got a shorthand uh, workshop. Go I've got some... an exam tomorrow, which is... I'm not looking forward to it. I don't think I'm going to pass. Should we go for some sort of food? Drink or something? Yeah, it was quite nice doing that last week. Yeah, it was. Um, Thank you very much for listening. We'll we'll just carry on rambling. Uh, Please do, if you have enjoyed this, please do leave us a review on iTunes and all those various places where you listen to your audio on demand. Uh, We'll be back next week. Uh, Please keep checking the Twitter, check the website, engage us on there. Thank you very much. (laughs) Bye-bye.